0: This is PhD Mystified, a series about the unspoken challenges of becoming a scientist. We invite faculty from the University of Pennsylvania to share their personal journeys and reflect on the struggles that students and early career scientists face today. Today's episode focuses on dealing with adversity. In a collection of moments from Behind the CV, an interview series hosted by MindCore and the Center for Undergraduate Research and Fellowships, Penn faculty, including David Meany, Michael Platt, Don mckenna Hamilton, Conrad Cording, and Katherine Schuller, talk about how they handle failure and give advice on reframing rejection and asking for help.
1: I guess my first question is, what would you define as failure? And what, within their control, do you see as pitfalls? Because I think that for many young researchers, failure is defined differently than it is looking down from a some distance?
2: You know, it's, it's a good question, because um, I teach a class, a lab class. It's a, an undergraduate lab class for juniors. And I say on the first day of the class that it's a class where we have them build things, and often what they build doesn't work the first time. So failure is part of the experience. In that um, I've realized over the years teaching this class that our educational system is not at all um, thinking about how to teach failure or whatever phrase you want to use for it. So this when they experience this first time, things don't work, um, you take it apart, you put it back together again, it doesn't work, it's, it's extremely frustrating. So the message that they can ultimately learn by understanding what went wrong, um, how this failure happened, and that's learning by failure. Um, that's not a, it's not an instinctive thing for us. Um, so you know, my definition of failure is is not the classic definition per se. It's not having a setback, right? I would probably more say that if you've had something where it's a setback and you haven't learned something from that. That's probably the failure part of it. Um, If you can learn why something happened or if you had to do it again, if you would do something differently, you would try it again, that's not a failure. That's life. Um, And that's that's learning. Um, But I think we focus a lot on this immediate outcome. You know, I send in this application, it gets rejected. And that could be perceived, obviously, as failure. I send in a grant application, it gets rejected. Um And there's lots of experiences like that, but you know, I would say again that the failure might be or the missed opportunity could be not learning from whatever that experience is. So when I look at young people, and when I when I try to talk to these juniors about how do we how do we build in uh, an ability to learn, to absorb through you know these setbacks, I really try to. Uh, instill in them this instinct that um, something not working is not a failure, it's a learning experience and that's just the way we should be looking at it, but that's just my opinion The
3: recurring theme in your story was that kind of a start and stop in different directions and Mm -hmm. trying to do different things, you still had this kind of core like, these are the types of things that I would like to do and yet you were not able to do them immediately what kept you going in that direction? Was it were you following a kind of dream or was there no. like I, I'm just wondering what kept you going?
4: I don't think I mean, I did not have a dream. I did not really all I knew was what that I didn't want to do anything that wasn't interesting to me, right? And so that if there's one thing that was really a focus was, pushing as hard as I could push to do things that were interesting. Maybe there's stubbornness. Uh, I think some of that, when I think about it, it, like, goes back to um, sports, honestly. You know, growing up playing sports... But growing up playing football is pretty rough. And um, if you've ever seen the movie Nixon, there's this scene in the very beginning where he was, he was a lineman, like, playing football, um, and they just, like just keep knocking them down in the mud and they keep saying get up Nixon get up Nixon and I felt like that's what you know sports is all about just get up just get up it doesn't matter you know just keep going on and so um that was kind of the way a lot of science was for me like every time there was a failure it was like I'm I'm just gonna keep keep going forward and I think that's actually really critical to have it's because it's really hard right it's really really hard and um and I was told going into it's like okay, ninety percent of your experiments will fail, and you know this that, and the other thing, and you've got to just be ready to push on through that. And um, yeah, so that that is you have to you have to have kind of really thick skin, and that's true as you go further on too. And I think this is like, and I see it in my own trainees so much now. It's like when they get paper reviews back, you know, or the grant reviews, and they're just crushed, and it's like. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean it doesn't matter how old you are, but and how experienced, but you kinda just gotta go. You know what? You get up, you know, just get it, just don't stop. Just keep pushing right through it. You can't be weighed down by it.
0: How have you like found a balance between like self advocacy and professionalism and also like being able to
3: ask for help where help is needed mm-hmm. and, like how do you navigate that?
5: Yeah. Um I think there were times when I felt like I had no choice but to ask for help. It was, you know, sort of you're flat on your back and your doctor tells you you can't get up for four months. And so in in those situations, um, I think I felt defeated in that moment. Um, And it took a while to sort of build back up from that. Um, So... You know, I think in that case, it was more out of um, desperation. Um, <laughs> and I think since then, you know, I've really been looking to try to be more introspective about, you know, when, when I do need help and um, being okay with not knowing A whole bunch of stuff, you know, like if you're if you're working in any area of research, you know, you you probably know you're, you know, a piece of that really well. But there are so many pieces that you probably intersect with that there's no reason why you should be an expert in those areas. And so um, I think I've I've tried to take a step back in those times when I felt like I needed help didn't particularly want to ask for it because it felt like, you know, well, why shouldn't I do this just myself? Um, but then I think about their expertise and think like, well, this is what they're great at, and so, you know, if it's someone who's willing to help, maybe I can offer them something um, in return, you know. And so, figuring out kind of what you can offer, um, and then what you know you might be able to to learn from from their expertise, I think is is helpful.
1: At some level, there there can be two feelings that you can have. I give you a grant, uh, or like I give you something. I give you my paper, and you're like, horrible. At some level, my natural reaction is anger towards that. I'm like, how can he see this paper is horrible, given how awesome the idea is that I know that I put in there? And that switch from defeat to anger, I think that, certainly helps me a lot. Because it's like, okay, I'm going to prove to him that this is a good idea. Now, if he rejects my paper, I'm going to, like, now I'm going to write it up even nicer and like, show him that he should have understood it. What if you've come in the interim to think that there are weaknesses in your own idea? Oh, yeah, that happens too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if the, the, the other thing is that it's like, yeah, cool, there's something I can fix. Now, that's the other one. That's that's the more positive one. For me, it was always a mixture, you know? like sometimes, and and sometimes both, where I'm like, okay, there's a great idea they could have seen it, but like, ah, sh- shoot, I really should have written that differently. And the other thing is, uh, yeah, like, at some level, the, the excitement for ideas, for me, always weighed much more strongly than locally putting it down, like sure locally, like yeah, it doesn't feel good to get a rejection still doesn't, I still get rejections, but but, but like hey, to me this is incredibly exciting, so so at some level, just like part of the game I guess no, at, at some level I'm in it because I'm into it and, and that's something that like no bad outcome can take away from you, it's like it is awesome that insight and like over time there's like so many things where I'm like oh my god that is so cool that insight alone is kind of making the whole endeavor worth it.
3: There were many points where it it sounds like the whole path was hard and uh, many would have given up if they were in your shoes. What made you keep going? I really wanted to give up a bunch of times. I thought you know, I mean, I kind of did. Like, I gave I gave up on Rochester because I was like, I can't actually do this. Like, I can't actually work this many hours. I can't feed myself if I'm not working. So, that's not going to work. But I don't actually have a degree, and I haven't made any plans to do anything else. So, living with my aunt and being a nanny was a really good next step. Um, And so I didn't feel rushed in that context because I had a roof over my head, people were feeding me, people were, you know, I had family around, um, and I had some time and space to, like, think about what I wanted to do. You know, I think as a first-gen student, you might know the feeling, like, when you're working so much and trying to do so much, you often don't have time to just stop and be like, what should I do? (laughs) What should I even do? Like, you just have to, like, get through the day, and then you are like, okay, and then the next day you start again. Um, So it gave me the time to really sit and be like, what should I do? Where should I look? And every day from 9 to 12, I just, like, figured out what I should do next. And I think that's what, having that space to do that gave me some, you know, gave me a lot. I mean, that you can always reinvent yourself is the thing I hope you would take away. That It's never too late to do the thing you want to do you've you've never ruined anything. You can always recover and you just have to like you know, ask people for help. Like ask people for help as much as possible. Don't be too hard on yourself. You're going to have to keep relearning it, especially if you've had like struggling circumstances as you've been growing up. It doesn't come easy or natural to me, but I just keep every year trying and trying to like ask for what I need, say what I need. If something seems really too hard tell someone it's too hard and like you need help and see if someone can help you and it's it's okay to do that I mean I had the same feeling I had like as a first gen student that I thought someone would take it away from me if I didn't if I admitted that it would be hard and it's not true it isn't true that wouldn't have happened it would have been way better if I had asked for help so keep on asking for help don't stop
0: This series is brought to you by MindCore, the Mind and Brain Center for Outreach, Research and Education at the University of Pennsylvania. This episode was recorded from an event series co-sponsored by the Center for Undergraduate Research and Fellowships, and is based on Growing Up in Science, a worldwide conversation series started by Dr. Wei Ji Ma and Dr. Christina Alberini at New York University. To hear other episodes and watch the video recordings of these conversations, please visit our website's link in the podcast description.